my little dog uh, Jimbo wanted to uh, get on my lap this morning. So I'm going to do this with him in my lap today. So real quick, uh, the big news of the day is, um, you know, the U.S. has come out and said, you know, we are prepared to delay the trade deal until after the 2020 election. That one kind of message or note has taken the stock market down. As of this recording, I think about 400 points. But, you know, I find myself asking a couple of questions. Do I really agree with that, right? Do I really see the U.S. kind of pushing off the negotiations until after 2020? I'd put exactly 0% chance of that happening. Um, I do think it's a great negotiation ploy to kind of put that out there, especially as you get to the end or near the end of a phase one negotiation. Uh, and I think that's exactly what's happening. You know, I think we're probably 85% of a deal done, and it's the last 15%, which is always the hardest. If you've ever done any kind of real negotiations and contracts and all of these things, which I can only assume this is even 10x harder than that. It's the last 15% that are hard. And I think what you know the U.S. is putting out there is like, hey, um, you know, we don't need this, right? We're fine, right? Our economy is going good. Our consumer is good. Our unemployment's at three and a half percent. You know, no, uh, no skin off our back. And oh, by the way, you know, we look forward to the December 15th uh, tariffs, which I think. I think it was 15% on like $160 billion of Chinese manufacturing. So it's significant, right? So I think that's what's happening. I think the U.S. is like, hey, you're pushing too much. You're asking for too much. You know, we're 85% there and we're not negotiating on the last 15. Uh, I see very, very little chance that we have no phase one or skinny trade deal uh, before the election. I think there's a good chance we announce something as soon as the next week that we have something. This is what this this is what this negotiation is is hey, we're going to walk away from the table. We walk out of the room. You know, you hope the other side comes out to the hallway and says, "No, no, 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 get back here, get back here. We want to we want to talk." I think that's what's going on, right? This high stakes negotiation and we're putting it out there that, you know, we don't want to play. So, I still think there's a good chance something gets done. Uh, I do, again, think having the December 15th or 14th uh, date as a, as a compelling date is pretty awesome. And I'm glad we didn't give that up. So um, I don't believe this. We're going to wait till after 2020. Um, it's like 0.00% chance of that happening in my mind. It's, you know, you have a risk of an election changing, you know, it's just, it doesn't make sense. I think the existing powers want to, at a minimum, take credit for, you know, this now 18-month trade war, right? And they want to get credit for it. So I think it's a joke that's that's put out there. Next up, Cyber Monday. Did you go shopping? Uh, it looks like it was another record, $9.4 billion as of uh, last count or last article I read. Uh, it actually highlighted a late-night spending spree. So I'm guessing some people were up night looking at uh, commercials or something online or something. It's pretty crazy. So again, just another sign that the consumer is fine. Uh, I see no uh, real signs of a recession that's imminent. It, you know, you don't spend record levels with a with a recession right around the corner, right? You 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 see these signs, cracks coming. Now, you know, could there be something in 2021, 22? Sure, but I still don't see anything in 2020. 
Next up, there's an article actually put out. I think this was on CNBC. It might have been Bloomberg. Talking about analysts calling Lululemon the next Nike. And I'm like, I look at that. I said, I, I don't get it, right? Lululemon, the little I know about them, make yoga pants. And, you know, Nike's pretty much in everything. So I was like, that's interesting. Let's click on that article. So um, they're basically saying that Lululemon's on pace could potentially, uh, you know, get to Nike's market cap. Nike is about $40 billion, according to this article, with Lululemon about $29 billion today. The other interesting thing I saw was um, they're up 85% this year, uh, far right pacing the S&P. And again, the consumer is fine. The little I know about Lululemon is they're expensive, right? I hundreds of dollars expensive for yoga pants when you could go get something for 10 bucks or 20 bucks somewhere else. So again, just more signs that the consumer is fine. Uh, next up, Nordstrom's is doing something that I expect to get increasingly popular uh, at retailers, not only high-end retailers like Nordstrom's. Um, if there's no recession soon, will real estate prices go back up in the Bay? Again, Troy, hey, the, the Bay, I think, the Bay is all about stocks at this point. It's very unaffordable. Um, no, I, I think the Bay Area is going to have a tough year, but that's a micro environment. And um, I'll say flat to down. I don't. I just can't see it getting any more unaffordable. But again, I could be biased. Uh, but yeah, I don't. I don't know. Where, I don't know how prices go higher. I just don't. Um, but that's what I'm seeing. Uh, so back to Nordstrom's and what they're doing. They're inviting. Again, I don't know who this is, but they said Glossier, G-L-O-S-S-I-E-R. They basically make fancy perfumes. Um, so they're bringing them in as a mini shop. So what I imagine is Glossier is renting 20 square feet, 40 square feet, whatever it is. I didn't see a floor plan, but they're renting um, or leasing probably uh, a square feet, putting their own employees there. And... Um, that's going to help Nordstrom's. It's going to help Glossier because, again, Nordstrom's helps making the rent payment, right? Paying for the building, right? Because if they can rent that square feet to Glossier for more than their their square footage per, you know, thing, right, that they sell, uh, they come out ahead because they're already paying the electricity and all these other things. So I think this is going to become a pretty standard thing, right? These, these retailers, big box stores are suffering. What if they rented... 40% of the square, you know, kind of the square footage to other micro retailers, right? Very regional focused, right? So maybe there's a California something or other, or maybe there's a New York thing and a Texas thing and a Alabama thing. I'm just throwing states out here. But you could see how a big box store like Target or Sears or uh, any of these other Macy's could say, hey, you know what, we're going to sell or lease 40% of our space to local niche retailers who really need some square footage. And I think it will be a plus plus for everyone. So I see that as a retail environment changing. And the first retailer to pick that up in mass and really start leasing, let's call it 25% or more, uh, I think is going to be uh, ahead of the game. And really it becomes almost like a little micro Amazon uh, with local focus. So just something interesting to think about. Another article I read today about 2019 that makes me a little nervous is everything worked, right? Nearly everything worked. It kind of feels like 2006. Ah, there you go, Ray. Yeah, so JCPenney's already does it with Sephora. Thank you. Uh, again, I think I think what we need to see is like 10 brands or companies in there. But 
I think it's coming. And I think this is a way that the big, big box retailers could save themselves. Uh, so if you're if you are a stock person, watch for in your case J.C. Penney's taking on the next Sephora or the next two or three. Because um, again, I think that's just a way if they can lease it for more than they can produce per square foot, they win <clears throat> and they save things. So and then the last thing, I actually caught an interesting article. I think this one was on Bloomberg uh, about the longest res- uh, depression. Most of us talk about the Great Depression, right? But have you ever heard of something called the Longest Depression? Uh, it was actually from 1873 to 1879. Uh, and the reason I picked this up and I want to talk about it today is kind of how it got kicked off. Um, it started in Europe when a European bank went bust. And this caught my attention because I, you know, I think there's, I don't know if it's rumors now or documented, but it looks like UBS is in trouble. And what happened in 1873 was the European bank went bust. The ripple effects of that loss caught a New York institution. Uh, did I catch the name? I didn't write it down because it's somebody I never heard of in the 1800s. Then they, they went bad. Bank loans went bad on a railroad investment, Northern Pacific. And then that just rippled through the economy. So again, in a world economy um, that it's all interrelated, there can be these cascading things. And again, productivity collapsed uh, in Great Britain. Deflation, this is a crazy one. Uh, so deflation in Europe, or specifically the UK, was negative 1.4%, right? Actually, inflation was negative, hence deflation. And, um, you know, it's just it's just interesting to watch, right? You know, if, if Brexit comes to be and all these other things happen, who knows uh, what the future will be? Uh, and then the last last thing I had to check out was what got us out of this longest uh, depression from again, 1873 to 79. Uh, And again, it's self-titled. I'm not making that up. That was what the title of the article was. Um, Basically the positive impacts of wage increases and technology shifts uh, basically created a consumer wave uh, that got us out of the, 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 uh, the longest depression. Sorry, I almost said the greatest depression. In the end, the other thing is it's an interconnected world. It can start somewhere. It could start in Asia. It could start in Europe. It could start in the U.S., frankly. Um, but again, at this point in the U.S., all th- how can the consumer be in any kind of trouble, which drives our economy with a record $9.4 billion? Uh, Lululemon, which again, I don't know anything about them other than they're expensive, you know, tracking uh, Nike at $29 billion uh, market cap. Uh, you got some retailers putting some stuff out there that could be interesting, you know, glossier glossier moving into Nordstrom and the like. So in the end, that's what I got. Uh, Have a great day and we will talk to you tomorrow.